guys, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of The Stone Table. My name is Mickey, and I am a worship arts coordinator here at Baylife Church. And my name's Travis, and I'm the teaching pastor at Baylife Church. And we are so grateful for each of you who have followed along last week with us as we walk through Holy Week together. Yes. We put out a series of devotionals that accompanied our eight days devotional by Bailiff Church, mm-hmm. and it's been such a joy to be able to walk through Holy Week together as a church, and for any one of you who decided to join us. Yeah, for sure, and we're, we're back to our regularly scheduled episodes yes. now, and so that means that we are going to be doing an interview today, Yes, um, and this is an interview that I'm super, super excited about. It's with our friend Angela Spiegel. It's kind of uh, leading out of our Holy Week yeah. series. If you followed along in the devotional booklet, Eight Days, mm-hmm. The incredible artwork in that booklet was put together by our friend Angela. And I've known Angela's husband, Zach, for probably 10 years, I think 2008. Um, So 12 years, I guess. I can't really math very well. (laughs) Um, And have gotten to know Angela in the last five years that they've been married. And she's just an incredible photographer. She photographed our wedding. She did. Incredible visual artist. And it was a joy for us to work with her on producing these images for Holy Week. And so this conversation is us just kind of talking about that process. Yeah. And it's a fun interview because we talk a lot about the behind the scenes process and how these images came to be and just the whole process from beginning to end. And and it's been a really, really fun thing to work on. So we are so excited to share that with you guys. And we are excited to be able to go back to our normally scheduled well, not, episodes. not totally normal. I, I guess normal last week was an episode every day. Yeah. And that's that's not going to happen going forward. We're in the process of moving homes. Yes, and so we're moving. We are back to once a week. Yes. Uh, so yeah, regularly once a week scheduled right. episodes. Right, right. So um, we've probably rambled for a little bit too long. We should just let them listen to the interview with Angela. Yes. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode where we interview the amazing Angela Spiegel. For Baylife Church, I'm Mickey. And I'm Travis. And this is The Stone Table. So Angela, thank you so much for joining us. We are so excited to have you here at The Stone Table. And for the sake of our listeners, what we usually do whenever we interview somebody, we ask them a very important question. It's very serious and it is pivotal Mm -hmm. to the rest of the interview. I have a feeling I know how you're going to answer, but I have to ask anyway, are you a cat person or a dog person? (laughs) I I suddenly felt like I knew that was coming after listening (laughs) to your podcast a few times. Uh, That's an interesting question. I grew up with cats. I currently have a dog. I think at this point in my life, I'd honestly be a cat person, Mm, Uh, but I but I love my dog. He's like kind of part cat, which mm-hmm. works out very okay. low maintenance. I like the low maintenance. I think that's part of just being a mom in this season. Mm. I want my animals to be low maintenance. Yeah, that's, that's good. A, that, you know, honestly, I'm surprised by that answer. Um, I figured you just say dog person because of Remus, <laughs> but I, I'm pleasantly surprised. I'm glad to see that the Lord's been at work in the Spiegel household. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know about that. But, you know, growing up, I always wanted dogs like my whole entire life. My parents were like adamant about not getting a dog. I had one for a month or two. We adopted off the streets. Uh, She had been like an abandoned pet that was incredibly destructive. And she was taken. We had to like take her away. And um, that broke my heart as a child. So like my whole childhood, 
I imagined raising dogs and tigers, which is ironic with Ooh, the tiger, with tiger king, king being so big. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. I'm glad you didn't go into that business. It would have ended badly for yeah. you. <laughs> well, I actually like this is legit a part of my life. Like we watched the Tiger King documentary and I'm sitting here think remembering myself as a child and being like, oh my God, I could have become Carol. Like that could have been me. <laughs> but I saw a 2020 episode about like people who kept wild pets, you know, mm. like it always ended up with like a child losing their arm or something. Yeah. I guess it just hit the point where I'm like, all right, wild cats, but not for me. Yeah. yeah. The Lord has spared you for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, but normal cats you're okay with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's Some a good of them thing. are truly demonic, but you know. Mine, like Augustine. ours is pretty bad. <laughs> he kind of tried to kill your son last year. I don't know if you remember this, but when you guys came over last year, he hunted your son through the house. Yeah. Leon was just hanging out outside the bathroom door looking for Augie. And he said, where's Kitty? Where's Kitty? And he didn't notice that Augustine was right behind him. The crack door was, he stuck his head through it and he was just staring him down. And I was like, okay, Augie, you're going to be locked in there. Yeah. We blocked the door. Yeah. So, Oh man. Yeah. Speaking you don't of want to mess cats. with some cats. We had one of those cats too growing up. It was just like she was just mean spirited. That's what my mom used to say. She's like, <laughs> Ivy is mean spirited. <laughs> <laughs> you just walk by her and she just strike her ankle for no good reason. Mm. <laughs> but, sounds like Augustine. Yeah, it sounds fair. Yeah. So Angela, you're currently residing in Orlando. Um, but you haven't always been in Orlando. I know you've kind of You've kind of been all across the country. So tell us a little bit about that journey and some of the places you've stopped along the way and what what has brought you to the home of Mickey Mouse. <laughs> well, technically, that's Kissimmee. So let's not get crazy. Okay, um, sorry. But, um, so I was actually born in Orlando. I um, lived there. My parents are from Indiana area. They actually, their story is cool and a lot of part of my story, but my dad was a pastor and they moved down to be a part of a church. And um, so we, I was born here, first generation Floridian. I don't know if that's a thing. I'm making that a thing. <laughs> My dad not. used to tell me that I was like a seventh generation Floridian. Wow. So, I mean, I was just like, yeah, sure, I guess. I don't know what that means. So I guess it's a thing. It's yeah. a thing. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And so when I um, was about 12, we moved to Gainesville, Florida to be a part of a church there, um, all with my dad's job. And then I think... I, I started having the feelings of like not wanting to get stuck, which it's it's funny to think about that now because like you hear a lot of kids that grew up in Florida. I feel like there's two camps. You see the people who absolutely love it and never want to leave. And then you have the people who feel like they're stuck here. Right. And so um, I don't know if I was either in particular in either one of those, but I definitely wanted to move around. And I went to um, the University of Florida and studied art there. And when I graduated in 2011, I had the opportunity. Um, God just really answered a lot of prayers because I really wanted to move to New York. I didn't know how that was going to happen. Nobody, particularly with our culture of churches, like the girls didn't do crazy stuff. And uh, a lot of people were getting married, sitting around getting waiting to get married. And I was like very unattracted to that. So I was like, I'm going to move to New York and <laughs> I'm going to have a career and this is going to be awesome. I'm going to be an artist. And um I did. Like the Lord just totally opened the door for me to move to New York City. So I was in the Brooklyn Borough in the neighborhood of Crown Heights for the, uh, a while. And that's where I met my husband, mm-hmm. Zach. I was going to say, Smith. ironically, that's where you met Zach <laughs> in New York. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Zach, my husband, is a Tampa boy. So mm-hmm. he and Travis go way back. And um, 
So we lived there for a few years and then we got engaged. And as soon as we got married, we moved to Portland, Oregon. Mm -hmm. Um, That was kind of a job opportunity. And so I kind of stopped making art as much once we moved to Portland, just because life changed dramatically. I was like, we were newlyweds. And then I got a job Mm -hmm. working for Nike um, and I was working in color development for apparel. So that was super cool, totally different than what I had done before. And uh, we lived there for almost four years. And um, we had my son, Leon, and just decided, we didn't just decide, it was really totally a God thing, brought us back to Orlando. And um, we've been here for two years. Wow. Okay. Wow. So you studied art. So what sort of art did you study and what, what do you think led you to do that and pursue this as, you know, as a higher education? Yeah. So when I was in high school, I had no idea, like, or even before high school, I guess I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do or be, I was a very imaginative kid, like in my own world. Um, I hated video games, which was really unusual for (laughs) most of my friends. Like I hated sitting down and playing them. Um, we didn't watch a lot of TV or movies. So I would just kind of lived in my own world. We wrote our own stories. Like we would do all sorts of crazy stuff, but I wasn't particularly talented. Like at least comparing to my friends, I had friends who were like ridiculously talented. They could draw anything. And so like, I always compared myself to them and I was like, Oh, that's not me. So I'm like, I'm not an artist, even though I was very much an artist looking back. Like I just didn't uh, view myself like that. And so, I mean, I remember being a little kid, like playing on the side of our yard, figuring out how to turn flowers into pigment. Like we'd paint with flowers and mud and like everything, trying Mm. to figure out how to get colors from different natural materials. Like, Mm -hmm. so I'm really grateful for that childhood. I'm grateful that my parents pushed us into that. And we lived in a neighborhood we could run around. So whenever I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, like, which was super scary because I was a kid at heart. Mm -hmm. Um, I was Photoshop was accessible back then in our home and I would would like mess around with pictures and make crazy looking stuff. (laughs) I was like, Oh, graphic design, that looks cool. And I think uh, graphic design was like an obvious choice for a lot of kids who were sort of into art and like wanted to also like not be super poor. Poor. Um, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Make money. Yeah. 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 And so I just, I was like, okay, I'll do that. So I started, um, I was dual enrolling at the time. Uh, so I started going to college when I was 15 and um, started taking the prereqs. And I happened to stumble onto a class because my little sister started dual enrolling when I had been there for a couple of years. We wanted to take one class together while we could. So we signed up for sculpture. We thought oh, it was cool. ceramic. We thought it was ceramics. We didn't really know the terminology. Um, so we thought we were going to be working with clay together. Mm-hmm. But, but it wasn't. It was like um, just all, all the other types of sculpture, like wood and metal and Wow. Uh, everything and totally accidental. Like it was an accident. We didn't uh-huh. need to sign up for it. Yeah. <laughs> I fell in love. I was in the same, I was in my graphic design one course, um, which is like um, manual. Like we weren't using computers, like manual graphic design. Mm-hmm. And I started making this marionette out of wood. And it was like, it was like a love affair. Like I wow. stopped hanging out with my friends. <laughs> I, like, I was in the studio hours and hours and hours a week and like obsessed like absolutely obsessed with it and suddenly I was like I rose to the top of my class like I had never been great at like most things I was like kind of like good at a lot of things but never like amazing and that was the first time like I was like I need to be amazing at this (laughs) you know right um and so that was it was super fun and I feel like a very god-given thing to like be able to be in a very dark environment 
And for me as a kid who was homeschooled for most of my life to be thrown into the mix of everything, it just, you know, really shaped who I am in, in many ways. Um, yeah. So that I remember having a conversation with one of my professors. I'm like, this seems crazy, but like, is this stupid to like move from graphic design into fine arts? Like, and, and he like joked with me, he's like, you know, I sometimes walk over to the people doing, I think he said philosophy with He's like, and I laugh at those students because those are the only ones I can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he's like, but just kind of encouraged me that like education is not what it used to be. And people used to go to college mm. to better themselves and to learn. And now people just go to college and they read the cliff notes of everything. They don't actually read and they don't better themselves. They just go and get drunk and get a degree. Right. And yeah. Um, yeah. that art is like one of the last degrees you can't do that in. Like everything's cumulative. Right. So, um, through that, I learned so much about just uh, work ethic and getting stuff done and getting thrown into environments and having to learn a new skill. And right. that all served me significantly. So I guess that's how I ended up in where I was. Mm. And then once I got to UF, it was just, it was a really sweet time, like lots of cool stuff, lots of cool opportunities. I got to, I was chosen as one and five students in the state to be in certain exhibits and have my work sold and shown. And it was really cool. Yeah. So that's incredible. So, yeah. so during your, your time at UF, you were still in Gainesville and your dad was pastoring a church there. Were, were you still involved in the church during your fine arts degree? I was, um, but I, not at the extent as I would have loved to be. I was pretty much serving on Sundays. Um, I played music in the band and then I did, I think, our, either a college group or community group. And that was about it. Yeah. So. So the, which I mean for a lot of people is still a lot, but right. yeah, 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 yeah. So, so the reason that I asked that is just because I know growing up in music and I, I grew up playing shows with Zach and all of his bands back in the day. Um, my experience has been just in interacting with artists that they don't particularly feel at home in the church. They feel like art in the church is not appreciated, and the sort of art that is elevated in the church is, is pretty low in terms of quality. And so for somebody who's studying fine art in your in your experience, what was that like? Was there a tension between your church life and your your studio art life or did you feel like you were embraced there? That's a great question. I've always felt like the way I've described it is you're kind of on the edge. Like I felt like on the edge of both worlds. Like mm. um, it's almost like you're the black sheep of both worlds, right? Like I, in the church, like I was like this kind of crazy, you know, whatever. But like <laughs> and then in my art classes, I was like this I mean, uptight Christian kid. I was, I don't think they perceive me as that, but I think I fear that they would. Right. So I was never totally comfortable in either because, you know, I love Jesus and I was still figuring out my faith in so many ways, but like I was also being shown a whole different side of culture and a whole different side of the world than I had ever been exposed to. And that was pretty crazy. Um, but I will say my church uh, in Gainesville, we're incredibly, incredibly supportive. Like I would have shows in junior senior year we had a lot of shows um our class was just really cool and excited about showing our work and i would have like anywhere from like 30 to probably 50 people show up from the church wow. that had no interest in art at all they were just huh. there to support me that's, that's and they awesome. were like yeah. they were like really bewildered at times but like super supportive <laughs> yeah so yeah that was really cool and i think a lot of people gained appreciation and i've had mm. people even tell me I graduated, you know, almost 10 years ago from UF. And so people still tell me, they'll be like, oh, I saw this art and it made me think of when we went to your show that time, you Aww. know? Oh, so it's pretty cool. Yeah. 
let's talk about some of the work that you've done for our Holy Week devotional. You came up with eight images for the eight days devotional that Mm -hmm. we've been walking through as a church for Holy Week, um, which you've done an incredible job. We've gotten so much good feedback and people who just really appreciate the art and have loved it. And so we wanted to talk a little bit about that work that you did. Um, Have you ever done anything like this before? Specifically like this, no. I don't think I've ever worked on a series that was used in this particular arena. So no, not exactly. Okay. Um, so what what was what was this process like for you? I know that I, I reached out to you probably back in November or December of uh, 2019. Gosh, yeah, I'm forgetting year. what year it is. I can't remember what day <laughs> yeah. it is because we never leave the house and I'm losing yeah. track of years as yeah. well. Um, so that. long before we were quarantined, we, you and I were having conversations and the three of us were talking about this devotional. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about the process of producing these images. How did you set about that task? Well, I think when we first talked about, we, we mostly, our kind of idea formulation around it kind of had to do with the style we were looking for uh, in content, style and content. Um, we talked about the inspiration. I don't remember what the book was called we were looking at, but I had these very block print style illustrations of kind of scenes. And I loved that. And that, that was something you showed me. And we're like, yes, we can get behind this. I think, I think as an artist who's also a believer, it's, it's, um, it can feel cliche at times to like depict images from the Bible in art. Mm. And it's something I've really avoided. I think that's why I've never done anything like this before. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Because especially going through like a secular, high conceptual art program, and then even my experience past that in New York and other places where I made art, like it just it can feel like it, it almost becomes like people just look at it as a genre and they don't actually mm. see um, they don't see Jesus in it, or they don't see the gospel in it. So all my work before that has been very abstract and very removed from like the images of the Bible. Mm. So to kind of step back into that imagery was a new, it was a challenge for me. So thinking about that as like first adapting a style and being like, okay, this is kind of the um, aesthetic, if you will, that we're going to go with was helpful because it kind of set the scene. And then we talked about each day, what each one being represented. And so that part was really fun because I know we all got together at the coffee shop and kind of talked through each day and like, all right, we, we don't want to make this too abstract because this right. is like not art people looking at this, um, <laughs> <laughs> but also not too, um, I don't know, on the on nose. The if you yeah, will. yeah. 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 And so is on the nose the right? Is I don't know. I think it's on the on? nose. Probably, probably I'm on the thinking. nose. I, I don't. And I don't like to pull this card, but English really isn't my first language. So I I hear like catchphrases and things all the time that I'm like, what does that even mean? Yeah. And Travis is like, you've never heard that before. I'm like, no, okay. but you're probably you know, right. Yeah. No, but I'm I English is my first language, and I mess up those words, those phrases all the time. So yeah. I I don't trust myself oh. at all. That's incredible. Yeah, I I just I mix up the words and do something make them up. <laughs> I never trust oh, myself. Oh man. But yeah, what the conversation the the interaction we had at the coffee shop where we got lost, it took us a while. Um but but just talking through those <laughs> days was that was so much fun. Like we we had a blast yeah. doing that. That was just a really it was exciting for us to begin to collaborate and see yeah. things take shape. Yes, it was so cool when you started showing us the ideas that you had and um, just some and of they the were concept. like chicken scratch ideas at that point. <laughs> but they were so great and and it was it's been cool for me to be able to see just the process of how this works for you. You start off with these 
just sketches and they turn into these beautiful images that we've been able to produce and, and turn into a book. So that's been really cool for me to see that, that whole process. Well, that, I feel like that day whenever we had coffee was really pivotal because I, I feel like we became a team at that point. Mm -hmm. And, um, every time I got stuck on an idea, I just like send Travis and you like, I don't know, like five text messages in a row. Like, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? What do you think about this? Yeah. And some of those were hard. I remember particularly um, the uh, the last day, the the resurrection piece. Yeah, it was one of the earlier ones that we finished, but um, I was so stuck on that because it was like so hard to like get an image that wasn't just super cliche and also like powerful. But like you ask, I I asked probably fifteen different people. I text them being like what is the image you think of when you think of Easter? What is the image mm. you think of? But, and everybody said light, empty zoom, whatever. Some people, I asked a couple unbelievers too, just to get their idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, I love that. I love that you, you yeah, that's cool. drew from people who are not believers as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I just thought, I'm like, I just want to hear what, like, what is this image that people see and like, and then having to weigh like, okay, is that image, necessary like is that the image we want to use like the one that comes to mind first or do I want to like spin this and so I tried to spin it and I kept going to the all these different abstract mm -hmm. ideas and ended up coming back to the empty tomb which I was really pleased it was a very simple image but I was really pleased with how it turned out yeah it was beautiful it's actually the Easter image and the Palm Sunday image are my my two favorites hmm. I absolutely love the Easter one yeah so one of the things that, that I did want to talk with you about because I think with the exception of the Judas's betrayal and then the Easter Sunday image, uh, there's some sort of a depiction of Christ in all the other six. Mm -hmm. And in every single one, there's this halo and it's, it's bigger or smaller in every single picture. But I know you, you put some thought into that and there was kind of some, yes. some themes you were drawing on. So what's the idea behind the halo and why, why did you choose to include it in all of the images? Yeah, initially we had talked about only including it on a couple images. And uh, the more I thought about it, it just didn't make sense to remove it because the halo is very symbolic in Christian art history. Um, I'm not an expert in Christian art history, but basically if there's a halo around somebody, it shows their divinity mm -hmm. or their sainthood, if you will. Um, in Christian, most of Christian art is usually in the Catholic church. So if you look back at images, all the saints will have the halo and obviously Christ has the halo in every image, even as a baby. So, you know, it didn't make sense to me then to exclude it once we decided to add it because <laughs> it's right. like, oh, is Christ not divine here? And he is here. So yeah. we even talked about that when he descended into death, um, mm -hmm. if he should still have the halo. Because I was like, does that take away his, it doesn't take away his godhood, even though he's dead. So we decided to keep the halo in some form. Yeah, and, and that was, I think that's the picture I appreciated it the most in, right? Ooh, because yes. you've got Jesus descending into this almost like watery abyss, um, but his his divinity yeah. is, is still present, even even in death. And I think yeah. that's part of why Jesus is able to destroy death, uh, is because he's not just any human being descending, he's the God-man. And so, yeah, that I thought that was just such a powerful thing. And, and I think yeah. on the Good Friday image as well, I loved kind of the black rolling clouds, but they're mm -hmm. still not able to... They're not able to obscure that that picture of his divinity. Yeah, that was, I think, we had talked also about the idea, what we talked initially before we talked about the halo was bringing in some sort of recognition of Jesus's kingship in both Palm Sunday and on uh, on the cross. And mm -hmm. so to me, it made most sense this time we're doing images of Jesus going back to art history with using the halo. So yeah, I love that too. That was one of my favorite things of like, 
it initially we I my first draft of that drawing had some sky in it there was an <laughs> idea of the sun being an image because the palm the palm sunday image was there's like the sun and then there's jesus's halo and the, the rays are intersecting each other and mm-hmm. um i was showing it to one of my art friends and she was like i love how it's like communion between god and jesus like in this way yeah and that that like sparked this whole inspiration I'm like well maybe i can use the sun as this imagery for god and it just didn't work like it didn't work in all of them um <laughs> so i tried it on the good friday one and I was like, this doesn't feel right. I showed it to several people and they're like, yeah, it doesn't feel right. Like, mm. just take it out. <laughs> and yeah. So I ended up blocking everything out, which actually felt more powerful, I think, than in just having Jesus be the only thing in focus. So yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I feel like that part of the process is is important because when you have a concept and when you just find it doesn't work, you kind of have to go to, okay, what do I do next? I by no means am I an experienced artist or anything, but I've been trying to learn photography and I've been playing around with the camera that I got for my birthday and just uh, shooting different things and objects. And in my head, I think, Ooh, this will look really cool. And then I try taking a picture of it and trying different lighting and it just doesn't seem to work. It, It just doesn't translate well on the camera. And then I'm like, okay, I, I need to try something else or scratch that and, come up with something different so i have a little bit of experience in that yeah oh this doesn't work yeah. <laughs> i've had that a lot actually well I, I think there's wisdom too in knowing like when when you've got a vision for something and you're just going to push it through no matter what obstacles you run into and when when to abandon the vision mm-hmm. you know there are certain times where it's like man i'm committed to this and i know that if i see it through to the end it's going to be amazing mm-hmm. no matter what anyone says and then there's times where you really need to listen to what yeah. everyone said <laughs> yeah. and, and just yeah stop pushing the boulder up the hill, (laughs) so to speak. Yeah. And I think there, there's an interesting thing even about like becoming or being a maker or an artist in a vacuum of from, I I think that works for some people. For me, I think that I need the feedback. I need to, Mm. I can't make art in a vacuum or else it just kind of sucks. You know, it's just not great. (laughs) And so, I mean, maybe for a point, like for a period of isolation and then bringing in, obviously you don't want people's voices in it the whole time to distract you or to confuse you but you know it was helpful even bringing uh, Zach my husband in on different points because there was like even the one of my favorite images uh, which broke away from I think a lot of them of having Jesus was was the Judas betrayal which was the two hands we had talked about Mm. wanting to kind of portray um, how can we evoke the feeling that like there's this money exchange in both Mm -hmm. ways of Judas receives the money to almost fulfill the prophecy, but then gives the money back. And as soon as he gives Mm. the money back, he then hangs himself. And so it's like this very circular image of, you don't really know which direction the money's going. And so Mm. I was, um, had a few, several drafts of that drawing. And I was like, I want to somehow include the noose in it. Like I want to include a foretelling of his death in it. And so I was playing around with rope imagery and just different stuff. And finally I was like, what if the coin bag has the noose tying it? Like Mm -hmm. just have it dropping with like a noose around it. And I was telling my husband that, and he was like, what if you make the coin bag look like a skull, you know? (laughs) Which looks super cool. Right. That's on my list of things to talk to you about. This is, this, it's my favorite image. Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah. So keep going. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I, this is exactly what I wanted to talk about is the process behind it. Yeah. 
So I was like, at first I was like, oh, I don't know if this, this is the right, you know, the right setting to bring in skull imagery or make it too obvious. Mm -hmm. But the more I thought about it, I was like, we can do it really discreetly. So um, Mm -hmm. we did it a few times. I I drew several different versions of it before the final one came. And I kind of tested it with my grandparents. They were in town. (laughs) And so... um, they, my, my grandfather, he's now suffering from severe dementia. So he wasn't really as much involved in that conversation, but my grandmother, who they, he's like a pastor and pastor's wife. They've been around the church forever. And so I was showing her, and I was like, if this bothers her, then I'll know that this is not a great, this is not in good taste. And, mm-hmm. um, but she's like, I can't see it. And then when she did see it, she thought it was really powerful. And so I was like, all right, cool. We're on the right track. Mm, right, <laughs> and yeah. So so then I ended up making it slightly, turn, turn the bag slightly more obvious. Yeah. So it looked like it was actually his head in there. So that that to me became my favorite image too, because it was the most symbolic, I think, of all of the images. Yeah. Mm, yeah. It's very subtle, but very moving. Right. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I feel like I've noticed in these images is the influence of Zach because, I mean, the people listening to this have probably never seen Zach. He's covered <laughs> head to toe in tattoos and yeah. um, much like me is a huge fan of tattoo art and tattoo culture. And you mm-hmm. see some of that influence as well. It seems like you were drawing on sort of traditional tattoo imagery as you put things together. Yeah, definitely. I think he in his art aesthetic and art knowledge has affected me a lot throughout this project. Um even I think just flow wise of illustration, like I am my degrees in sculpture. I, I've always loved drawing um, and drawing, I would say is like my second strongest point, but not, I'm not like a traditional drawer. I don't spend tons of time drawing realism or anything like that. That's never been important to me, but I think of things in, in the round often. And mm-hmm. so having him who thinks very 2d was really helpful. Like even the, um, the scene of Jesus in the temple flipping the tables mm. initially was um, directionally different. And we, we started talking about it. I was like, something's off with the balance of this image. And, and he was like, I think you need to flip the table the opposite way, <laughs> you know? And yeah. it was just Aww. like something simple like that, but like the simple change, it caused the, the direction of your eye to move in a way that was broken before. So like, yeah, his influence is even just um, kind of, what's the word I'm looking for compositionally his, yeah. his influence compositionally was really helpful um and especially with the with some of those more you know the more symbolic pieces I really appreciated like I would just look at him and be like is this the right yeah. direction yeah. <laughs> I love that I love that that you can just bounce back ideas and have another just set of eyes to look at your work I mean I think of everything that I take a picture of <laughs> Most of the time, if I'm confident in something, I'll just show Travis, hey, look what I did. But there are many times where I'm like, hey, what do you think of this? Because I don't know. And he's like, yeah, <laughs> he's very it's nice. It's not like that. It's I mean. not like that. Yeah, but it's nice to be able to have just a second opinion and someone who's going to inspire you and help you just better your work without being super critical. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I think that's very cool that you were able to have him along as well. Yeah, this was sure. a very collaborative thing. So it's yeah. so cool to be able to draw from each other. Mm-hmm. But I, I so admire the work that you did on these images. And I love the line work on especially the Easter image. I absolutely love it. I think it's so cool. And I, and I think about if I would try to sit there and draw those lines, I don't think I could do it. So <laughs> I have to have a straight edge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's it. It really is. It's amazing, and and I love how collaborative this process has been. Yeah. Um, 
that we've been working together. And, and I don't know that the people who have read the devotional realize yet, and hopefully they will after this episode, how much time has been put into this whole project. I mean, mm-hmm. this has been months in the making. Yeah. Um, and I love that you brought other people in as well. And, and I think that's so fitting when we talk about, as, as believers, kind of the central event that we are shaped by and we mm-hmm. celebrate. If you're going to try and capture in any symbolic way the events of Holy Week, uh, we have to capture it together uh, because it's not just for you or for me, but it's for us. And so the, the whole communal nature of this project, I think, is really fitting given what it is that we're trying to convey. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. So it's been cool. I post, I, after I got the okay from you, I um, posted on Facebook the devotional mm-hmm. and multiple people shared it. Like the guy who started our church shared it and like lots of different people. Yeah. Um, and my mom and several people I know have been reading it daily. And my mm-hmm. mom said that the Palm Sunday, the first day, the Palm mm-hmm. Sunday one, mm-hmm. just like brought her to tears. And my mom's not a crier. So you got to know that. And she just wanted to, to wanted me to tell you that the way that you brought in all these different historical elements, even about the palm and mm. um, the significance of that in their culture, like she never knew that and how important yeah. that was to know. So yeah. uh, wow. I've gotten amazing feedback on the devotional itself and mm. just people just being moved and also feeling empowered to know more about the story. And mm. um, my good friend, who's an artist who I heavily leaned on in this process of just getting feedback she was just saying, she's like, this is, this devotional has really changed how I view the events of this week. Like I, mm. I, I didn't know this stuff before. So I just want you to be encouraged that like, um, as I've been able to share my art through it and share your work through it and the other people who have been involved in this process, cause I know there has been designers and other people who are children's ministry people pulling all this together. Um, yeah. it's, it really has been a collaboration in a really beautiful way. And it's affecting beyond even just your community. Like it's now, Thanks to COVID-19, like <laughs> all sorts of people are getting to see it. So yeah. that's pretty cool. Yeah, praise yeah. God for that. Absolutely. And, and I think it's a beautiful picture of what happens in the people of God across denominations, across churches, yeah. uh, across backgrounds, pull together to in some way tell afresh the same story uh, that has shaped mm-hmm. God's people. So thank you for being a part of that, Angela, and for contributing your incredible work. Yeah, it's it's been a huge blessing to everyone who's interacted with it. It's it was a true joy, and I feel like it was a I don't not to get too crazy with it, but it felt like a lot of like the dry bones awakening in my in my creative brain. It's been a really sweet time and a really really awesome and huge privilege for me to be a part of. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of The Stone Table. If you found this episode helpful, do us a favor, rate, subscribe, and tell your friends about the show. That helps us to get the word out as a new podcast. Also, we would love to hear from you. So if there are topics that you would like for us to cover or even questions that this show has brought up, do us a favor and send us an email at thestonetable at baylife.org. For Baylife Church, I'm Travis, and this is The Stone Table. Thank you.